clarify that this Wednesday Night Live is a covered dish, and there's no charge for that when we do that, uh, but it is an incredible night with a lot of variety. So please come and bring something uh, to share. A friend of mine, Jim, was standing at the top of a bridge over a body of water. It's about 25 feet up. It's a bridge that a lot of people would jump off of, dive off of. Pretty high, though, pretty high. So he kept peeking out over it, and then he'd shrink back, and then he'd peek out over it and duck back. There were some fishermen down below him. Kept looking at him doing this, and one of them called out and said, Go ahead and jump. And Jim said, I'm thinking about it. And the fisherman down there said, It's not a thinking man's sport. <laughs> so, you know, you, you remember when uh, your mother used to say to you, If someone told you to jump off a bridge, would you jump off of it, right? Well, she was. She was worried that you were gullible. She might have been worried that you were uh, using something as an excuse, right? So uh, you, were, you were blaming somebody else for something you did because they told you to do it. But, but in some ways, mom is also always concerned that her, her children are going to be gullible. There's something similar going on in this passage, right? In the passage I'm about to, to read to you, There is a call, an image, to be wise as a serpent, but innocent as a dove. Wise as a serpent, but also innocent as a dove. It represents two values that seem to compete with each other. And that's that's the series we're in. We're calling it level. We never quite get level, never quite get balanced, because we don't really have balance. We have choices. And... Throughout our days, we're being pulled in these two different directions to maintain a sense of innocence as we walk in the world, but not of it. It requires not only to be innocent as a dove, but also wise as a serpent. What if, however, what if you only had one or the other? What if you had a life and a lifestyle that was innocent as a dove, but not wise as a serpent? Serpent. What if you had a lifestyle that was wise as a serpent without the innocence of a dove? That's our question this morning as we look at Matthew chapter 10, starting with verse 36. Would you join with me opening your pew Bible to Matthew chapter 10, starting with verse 16. Jesus speaking. He says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in the synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. To bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you 
at that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's the question. It's hanging before us. What if we were only innocent as a dove, but not wise as a serpent? What if we were only wise as a serpent, but not innocent as a dove? First, let's consider what would it look like to be innocent as a dove without the wisdom of, of serpents? You'll remember, probably remember, the, the movie Forrest Gump, and you know the storyline at least if you haven't seen the movie. Forrest Gump is, is innocent, innocent as a dove. He's, he's simple. In a lot of ways, he's simple. We don't fully understand why he's simple, but he's simple in his view of life and his approach to life. He's kind of an underdog, but he always lands on his feet. In some ways, he's, his innocence is protected because he doesn't always understand what's going on around him. He's not always aware. But how about for us? What if we move towards the world to be in it the way that Jesus sends us into the world? With a, an expectation that people are going to appreciate that kind of innocence. It's not going to happen. You see, innocence or ideals without boundaries gets burned. Ideals without boundaries get burned. You see, ideals need boundaries. Ideals need a hedge around them. Think of it like a little sapling, all right? You have this new life in you. It's the light of life that is your faith. It's that mustard seed that's growing and, and it's, it's come out of the ground and it's beginning to, to grow branches. And it, but it needs some protection. See, a lot of times I think when we, when we move towards the world with these ideals, we expect the world sometimes to, to celebrate our ideals. But a lot of times we get burned by them. We don't have the boundaries that we should have in order to protect those ideals in order for us to endure. And, and so what ends up happening is we become disillusioned. And so idealistic people not only have ideals, but they have an idealism where they expect everybody to be fair. Well, life isn't fair. It's a broken world. And so we move into a world that's not going always to be friendly to our ideals. Sometimes the world can be downright hostile to our ideals. Breen Brown has written a book called Daring Greatly, and it's a book that my wife has been reading, and I always steal her books when she's halfway through it just to annoy her. But I've been reading it, and, and in the midst of it, I realized that here's a person who has ideals, and she's struggling because she's seeing people through disillusioned eyes. She's becoming very cynical about the people around her. She has ideals, but because of the way she's treated, she's become cynical. She's put on these lenses of cynicism, and the way that she sees everybody is in the worst possible light. And she's asking herself the question, how do I regain a sense where when, I, when I'm talking with someone, when I'm dealing with somebody in my life, that I can give them some benefit of the doubt? So I'm not walking around becoming such a negative person. 
How do I approach people so that when I see them, I can think well of them, even if their motives are mixed? And so she asks herself the question, what boundaries do I need in order to maintain my ideals and see the people around me as being credible and have generous assumptions about what they're saying? What boundaries do I need so that I can have generous assumptions about the people around me? See, it's not enough just to be innocent as a dove. Jesus takes one property of the serpent and says, there's wisdom there. There's a certain streetwise nature of the serpent. The serpent is streetwise, knows it's, it's crafty. It, it, it doesn't just simply put its innocence out there for everyone to see. It doesn't just put its ideals out there for everyone to trample. It's a little like this when we were in the Cold War during the 80s and, and Reagan began to build a bridge of trust to Gorbachev, who represented the USSR at the time. I remember there was a cartoon and, and there was this uh, uh, you know, joke, uh, satirical agreement that USSR and uh, the United States had, had come to. It was just a joke, but the cartoon said... The U.S. and the USSR have, have uh, come to an agreement. They're each only going to have one bomb. And it had a picture of the, the world. And it had a, a bomb over here that said USSR and a bomb over here that said USA. And they were both about the size of the world, right? And that's the world we were living in at the time. We, we both were thinking that the other had their finger on the trigger. And here is, are these two world leaders, Reagan and Gorbachev. And they're beginning to, they're beginning to take Small steps of trust. There was a Russian expression, uh, doveryai no poveryai, that Reagan latched onto and he began to use it at every meeting. And it means trust but verify. Trust but verify. You see, there are certain boundaries sometimes that are needed in order for us to take our ideals into a world that's broken. And so Jesus is sending us into the world to be in it, not of it, in a way that is realistic, not idealistic. So, but that's what it looks like to have ideals without boundaries. That's what it looks like to have a child's heart without, a, without an adult's mind. But what's it look like to have an adult mind without a child heart, child's heart? What does it look like to be wise as a serpent but not innocent as a dove. Well, being <laughs> innocent as a dove without the wisdom of a serpent, that gets you burned, right? That can get you burned. You need boundaries. But if you have wisdom without innocence, you become bleak. Wisdom without innocence gets bleak. We begin to lose our sense of hope for the world. We begin to lose our ideals that we hold. We move towards the world and we look at it and we begin to curse the darkness instead of lighting a candle. Oh, it's so easy to curse the darkness, isn't it? You see something that's broken, some part of the world, 
and you say, you know what? That part of the world is so messed up. Maybe it's just this, this culture within, within the United States, this part of the United States. Or maybe it's these people's behavior in this segment of our, of our population. Or whatever it is, you single people out and you begin to see the whole world as bleak. When you're wise as a serpent, but not innocent as a dove. When I look back on history and I think of somebody in in the United States that has done so well to be not only wise as a serpent, but also maintain a sense of ideals, I think of Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. was able to cast vision for the country, to hold up the country as an ideal while at the same time calling out dark places. He called out dark places in our culture without casting the entire United States in a shadow. In his famous I Have a Dream speech, he used my country tis of thee, that, that, that hymn, and a refrain within it in order to speak vision and accountability. Vision, ideals of the dove, accountability of the serpent. He brought both together at the same time in this speech. He said this, he said, if America is to be a great nation, this must be true. He's referring to liberty for all. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. So he says, let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. So he's, he's calling out the bright places where liberty reigns for all. Places that people associate with the song and the, the beauty and the ideals, the height of America. And then he says this. He holds up the the dovish ideals. And then he brings the serpent-like accountability. He says this. But not only that. Let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi. All right. he's, He's getting a shot in there. Right? He's getting a shot in. From every mountainside, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. You see, he was able to point out the dark places in the United States at that time without casting the entire United States in a shadow, without cursing the darkness. He's lighting a light without cursing the darkness. Oh, contrast that now with taking a knee at the National anthem. Taking a knee at the national anthem is to take a shot at the ideal itself. It's so different from what King was doing. What King was doing was holding up the ideal that is America. And at the same time, bringing accountability to places where people are living in less than ideal conditions. Whereas what we're seeing today in taking a knee at the national anthem is cursing the darkness. It's casting the entire United States as though it all were in a shadow. It's aiming the ire at a symbol of the ideal itself. 
the very symbol that allows us to express our freedom, to express our opinion. It takes a shot at it. And so you see, it's so easy to curse the darkness. Jesus didn't send us out into the world to become just like it, to be a curse. He didn't send us out into the world to look at it and to be rebuffed by it with high expectations, not realizing that it's a broken world and just to shrink back and curse it. Instead, Christians are able to step into the world in a relevant way and speak truth, holding up the ideals that we share, and at the same time bringing strong accountability. So what does it look like for snake and dove to be together? What does it look like for this tension to hold each other in check? What does it look like to be level, like that, that airliner that's making corrections, course corrections? Well, what it looks like is, is the phrase I've, keep, I've kept using over and again. It's to be in the world, but not of it. It's to be in the world, but not of it. In 1 Peter 2.11, Peter's, Peter's letter, he says this. He says, we are resident aliens. Now get that picture in your mind. We're foreigners. We're strangers in a strange land, and yet we are citizens of that land. We're strangers in a strange land. We're aliens, but we're resident aliens. That means that we are part of this world. We're a part of what's going on in the United States. We make investments. We get involved. We care about it. We show up. But we show up in a different way. We show up with ideals that, yes, can be threatening. And sometimes because they're threatening we, we can become threatened as a result. Now see, so here's what happens. Uh, different churches and different kinds of, of, of faith groups go in two different directions on this. Instead of keeping them together, here's what happens. Some faith groups go in the direction uh, of, of, of total relevance, right? And so they begin to, to, to lift up social justice. They become the social justice church. Or as an individual, they just focus on those, those places where, where, uh, where people are down and out. Right? They become relevant. They, they run to the front of whatever, whatever issue du jour is what's getting attention in the news. They, they run out to the front of it and they say, yeah, we're here too. We're the church and we're leading the way on this charge. It doesn't matter if it's just the spirit of the age, they run out in front. Well, some shrink back. Some faith groups are more sectarian. Some faith groups and some individuals, they hold their faith in such a way that just simply shrinks back from the world. It's not in the world. It's so afraid of being of the world that it just holds up behind some fortress and has, has just this, this fort mindset, this bastion. It's a purity thing over here, and it's a unity thing over here. Hey, we're just one big happy family, and, and, and if we're going to be a church that's, uh, that, 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 that is showing the hope and light of the world, then we need to have our, our doors wide open. And it doesn't matter what you believe. You just come on in. It doesn't matter what our standards are, what your standards are. Just come on in. We're just one big unified group trying to make the world a better place. Forget doctrine and how that guides us. It's just all about unity. 
Over here, it's like, no, no, don't come in unless you, you stand for everything we stand for. We go down the line on all the different issues, and you need to line up and make sure that politically you're voting in the same way, and we're going to give you a voting thing, and we're going to make sure that everybody understands that we're in lockstep over here, and we're hiding from the world, and we're protecting ourselves because we've got the pure nugget of truth over here, and, and the world doesn't have any of it. Well, see, this is what happens when, when, when you go either or on this unity purity thing. You try to stay safe by being relevant, or you try to stay safe by being separatistic, sectarian. But Jesus calls us to be in the world and not of it. And he even says that that can get us into some trouble. You say, well, Tim, what does it look like to be in the world, not of the world? I mean, how do people identify us? I mean, where do we stand on some of the issues? Well, it, it means we're going to stand in ways that don't fit neatly into some political box or some ideological box. It means that, that in some cases, the world is going to love our 70 times 7 forgiveness. They're going to love the way that we treat the poor. They're going to love the way that we want to solve problems. But they might not love our stance on, on marriage or on gender or on the unborn. And so you can't pin us down. We're resident aliens. We're aliens to this country. We are strangers in a strange land, and yet we champion the ideals for which this country was formed in the first place. And we do it in a way that's enduring and not fleeting, chasing after every trend that comes our way. And so we're alike. In the world, not of it. We're a light. Someone said the place for a ship is in the sea. We're like a ship. We're called to the sea. And then the rest of the saying is this. But God helped the ship when the sea gets into it. Relevance without compromise means being innocent. Innocent as a dove but wise as a serpent.